How are we all this morning? Are we good? I'm, I'm wanting to bring in something new next year for Easter. I want an Easter bunny that delivers flat whites. Is there anyone that can get an amen for that? Yes, there's a few. That's good. That would be very, very good. I think there is money to be made in that little area. But anyway, that's not what I'm here to talk to you about this morning. I hope you've had a great morning and it's a privilege that you are, have chose to join us this morning as we um, come around the Word and we, we just explore some of the stuff that I believe God wants to say to us this morning. You know, I love that song and I, I know many people love that song. It's, it's amazing how many people love that song and got nothing to do with church. People that uh, you might even be your first time in church, you don't come to church regularly, but you know that song. And people, we know that song because that song captures something that um, is amazing. It captures something that others have not been able to put into words quite like that was put into words. It's probably one of the most well-known songs ever, not just in church but across the globe. But it's not just a song, it's an amazing truth and it's an amazing declaration. It's an amazing reminder of who Jesus is and what he has done for us and what we celebrate today. But there's a, a line in that song which I love and we sung it just right at the end then. It says, how precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. See, the songwriter became aware of God's grace. The songwriter became aware of what Jesus did. The songwriter became aware of that, the hour they first believed. By believing, by believing they entered into something that they hadn't previously seen. By believing in Jesus Christ, they all of a sudden saw what they had not seen before. They became aware of God's grace. They became aware of salvation. They became aware of Jesus. And just like you might, not, you might know that most well-known song, you might also know this verse. It's already been quoted this morning, John 3.16. Probably the most well-known Bible verse ever. But in the end of John 3.16, it says, Everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Can you see the word believe? See, the word believe is an important word. What you believe, what your belief is of Jesus Christ is a really important thing. What your belief in your heart and the confession of your mouth around who Jesus is, is a really, really important thing. And that important thing is what I want to speak to you about this morning. My message title is simply called Believe. What is it that you believe this morning? If I was to give you the microphone and you come up here and say, this is what I believe, what would it be? I believe in what would that answer be? Especially around the question, what do you believe about Jesus? We're going to watch a video right now if you want to prepare that first video. A similar question was put to people on the streets of Australia. What do you believe or what do you think about Jesus Christ? And let's watch that video. Um, not saying much about the guy. I think this Jesus figure was probably a just a normal person who stood out from the crowd. Man of God. 
You don't need to watch that video to know that not everyone believes in Jesus. You might be in this room this morning and you would have your belief of who Jesus is. But you would know that not everyone believes. Why is it that some believe and others do not? Why is it that people can believe that he existed but no, he wasn't God? The McCrindle Research Institute in Australia says that four out of five Aussies believe that Jesus existed, that he actually walked the earth, that he was a real person. But they don't believe that he was divine. They don't believe that he was God. The probably the most common viewpoint, and you might even have this viewpoint yourself or you know someone with this viewpoint, is that he was a great teacher and a philosopher. He was a wonderful man, but he was only a man. And he was not divine, as us Christians claim him to be. Billy Connolly, the famous comedian, sums up this viewpoint and he says, I can't believe in Christianity, but I think that Jesus was a wonderful man. That's what Billy believes. You've seen some of the video this morning of what some young people believe, but what is it that you believe? What is your belief of who Jesus is? How would you answer that question if you were asked, this is what I believe about Jesus? You know, Jesus, when he walked the earth, he actually asked his followers a a very similar question. He was asking them, who do people say that I am? People talk about me. I I know people are talking about me, and I want to know what what are they saying about me. The disciples told him the different theories of the day. You can read it in Matthew 16 from verse 13. They tell him the different theories. Some say you're this guy. Some say you're that guy. They give him all the theories of the day, the common thoughts, the, the common perceptions. But then Jesus says something really powerful, and it's something that we all need to answer in our own lives. He says, what about you? Who do you say that I am? What is your answer to this? Let's pick it up where Peter answers in verse 16. Simon Peter answers, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. See, Peter had a revelation. He had a, a, a truth imparted into his heart and his spirit where he was able to say, now this is who you are, Jesus. It would be pretty hard to deny the existence of Jesus if you're a disciple because you're looking at him. But it was still required a faith and it still required a declaration of, of truth to say, no, you are more than just a man. You are more than just the man that I'm looking at right now. You are the Son of God. You are the Messiah that was promised. That still required faith, it still required a belief, and it still required Peter to have this revelation that he declared. But Peter declared it because Peter knew who Jesus was. Peter and the rest of the disciples and those that followed Jesus, they believed that Jesus was who he said he was. They believed that he was the Son of God. They believed him. When he said, hey, I'm the Son of God, I've come here for a reason and a purpose, they believed him for what he said. They believed that Jesus was more than a wonderful man. They believed that he was more than a miracle worker, that he was more than a teacher, that he was more than a rabbi. They believed that he was the Messiah. And they quit their life as they knew it. They gave up their life and they followed Jesus, becoming his disciples. They were given front row seats to Jesus' life. Imagine the things that they saw, the things that they experienced. Imagine how their life would have changed because they decided to believe that this Jesus was more than just a man, but he was actually the Son of God sent to earth. They believed and it changed their life. They were known as believers and followers of Jesus Christ. But then something happened. You know, Lord said before about the shaking. The shaking happened. The first Easter happened. Jesus, the Son of God, is arrested. 
he is taken and his child falsely accused but put sentenced to die in Jerusalem. And that's what we remember at Easter. He is then beaten and given a criminal's death on a cross. You know, I read that as he's hanging on the cross, you can read it yourself, but it says that people called out to him and said, if you truly are the Son of God, if you really are more than just a man like you claim to be, prove it. Save yourself. But I read this week, someone said this, to save yourself is human, but to give of yourself is divine. See, Jesus could have come off that cross, but he chose to stay on that cross for you and for me. And that's what made him more than just a man. That's what made him God, because he chose to give his life away. And he went through all that. He's buried in a tomb. There's a big, big stone rolled across the entrance to keep it secure. I still get amazed. If someone's dead, why do you need a tombstone to guard him? If he's dead, do they know what's coming? I don't know. It says that when this happened, though, the disciples fled in fear. Their belief is in shudders. These are the men who believe in God. These are the men who believe that Jesus is more than a man. These are the men that have given up their life to follow him and to worship him and to give their life to him. But now it says that they fled in fear. I believe that when they're looking at the cross, that when they're looking at their Jesus being taken away and put in a tomb and a big stone, what's going on with their belief right there? I believe their beliefs are being shaken. Their beliefs are being questioned. Their beliefs are going, what is going on? This is not how we saw this going. I don't really like Easter. This isn't how the plan was supposed to work out. Our King, our Son of God, the person who was supposed to save us and rescue us is now dead and buried. What is going on? We're going to read what happens next because I have a feeling that some of you know what is going on. But let's read it anyway. Luke 24, first few verses of Luke 24. Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. Then they remembered that he had said this. They rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. Listen to verse 11. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men, so they did not believe it. It sounded like a lie. It sounded like a hoax, and they did not believe. The disciples, these believers, these men who had a revelation and had a front row seat of who Jesus was, were told by Jesus himself that he would rise again. And now they hear that he's risen again. And it says that they do not believe what was being told them. Mary is trying to tell them the truth. Is trying to tell them that Jesus has risen from the dead. And it says that they thought it was absolute nonsense. And they did not believe it. Mark 16, you can read a similar story. Verse 9, after Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. 
She went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping, their beliefs in shadows, and she told them what had happened. Verse 11, but when she told them that Jesus was alive and she had seen him, they did not believe her. Liar, liar, pants on fire, they said in the children's version of the Bible. Verse 12, afterward, Jesus appears in a different form to two other of his followers who were walking from Jerusalem into the country. Verse 13, they rushed back to the others to tell them, but no one believed them. Here we have this story that is central to our Christian faith. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead just like he said he would. And people are being told this good news, but no one believes it. No one believes it. Jesus has to go and start to appear to people for them to believe it. Imagine doing that. Imagine being dead and coming back and saying to people, Hi, I'm back again. Imagine the look on their faces. I would love to have been just there for that moment, just to see people's face when someone who they thought was dead was now alive again. They were shocked. They were surprised. But once they got over their own shock, once they got over their own surprise, they then go to tell others. They're so excited about this good news. This Jesus who we've given our life to following, he's alive again. I can't wait to tell someone. But imagine then how frustrating that would be. I've got this amazing truth to tell you. I've got this amazing thing that's happened and no one is believing me. The disciples thought that Mary's story was nonsense, was a prank, was an April Fool's Day joke. They didn't believe it. Has anyone been pranked this morning? I told my kids they could eat all their chocolate like at 7am, just go for it. And suddenly went, really? No, April Fool's, because I'm that mean dad. They're telling people the good news about Jesus. He's risen from the dead and no one believes it. They think it's a lie. They think it's a prank. They think it's a joke. Kids, look up from your colouring in for a minute. Because here are some ideas for next year. For April Fool's Day. Can we have our first picture? Take the mayonnaise and the moisturiser and just do a little swapsy swapsy. And just watch that fresh smell being rubbed into people's face great one next one take the oreo biscuit or any other cream chocolate biscuit of your persuasion and the toothpaste and don't do it to all of them just do it to some of them and then put them back in the biscuit tin and then just watch and wait for the april fool's day moment i've got another video of this is this is a good prank and i take no responsibility if anyone has this happen to them after watching this video thank you
I take no responsibility if that happens to you next April Fool's Day. What happened, someone said, a little bit of powder in the hairdryer. I don't know if you've ever been done with an April Fool's Day prank, but it's a pretty frustrating thing to be what Mary and the others were, trying to say something, trying to deliver some good news, and no one believes you. You try and tell a story. Anyone ever gone fishing before? And you try and tell the story of the one that got away. And no one believes you. On Swansea Bridge, which is illegal to fish from one night I was fishing, I didn't see the sign until afterwards, and I caught this huge fish, and I was pulling it in, and I never catch fish because I never go fishing, but I'm pulling it in, and I'm just about got it over the um, fence rail, and it gets off the line. And not a single one of my mates believe me because I don't catch fish. I'm the person that goes and chats and does it, tells them what the score is in the football because I don't catch fish, but no one believed me, but it's true. This fish was out of the water, nearly in my grasp, but I have no proof, and therefore people do not believe me. Mary was trying to tell the disciples that Jesus was alive, and no one believed her. They refused to believe what happened. People were told that Jesus was alive, and they said, no, nah, don't believe it. It was true, though. The fact that they believed, I mean, the fact that they did not believe did not make it not true. They just not had, had not had their revelation yet. They had not had their moment where they saw who Jesus was. They still were in denial. They were still in unbelief. But it was true. Jesus did appear to people after he rose from the dead, even when people didn't believe it. In John, we read that after Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene, he goes, you know what? These disciples, they're not going to believe it. I'm just going to have to show up. And we read in John 20, verse 19, that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. If you skip to verse 24, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. Put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord, my God, Thomas exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. But blessed are those who believe without seeing me. See, Thomas cops a bit of a, a bad rap. If you know in the Bible terms, he's known as doubting Thomas. But Thomas is exactly the same as the other disciples. They did not believe until they saw Jesus. And Thomas was the same. He did not believe until he physically saw Jesus and he was able to touch the wounds and see the holes in his hands. They didn't believe it at first. It wasn't until they saw that their belief was restored, which is what prompted Jesus to say those amazing words, blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And I think all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, can relate to Thomas. How many times have you said this or thought this? I believe it when I see it. Maybe we're fine believing in Jesus. 
Maybe we're fine believing that he was a man. Maybe we even believe that he was the son of God. But there's still areas of our life where there's doubt. We doubt his word. We doubt his promises. We doubt that he can do everything he said he can do. See, we can't get past what we see in front of us. We can't get past our current reality. Our current reality doesn't line up with what we believe or what we hope for or what we've had promised. And we have this doubt enter in. We have this doubt in our, with our belief. There was a man in the Bible whose son needed a miracle. His son was possessed and was just troubled by these, these demons and these things in his body. And he needed Jesus to heal him. And we read that in Mark, he brings his boy to Jesus and he has this conversation with Jesus. And he says this, the man says, have mercy on us, Jesus, and help us if you can. What do you mean, if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. Verse 24, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. See, I think there are many times where we're just like that man. We do believe, but we need God's help to overcome our unbelief. The areas of our life where we doubt that God can really come through like he said he can. We want to believe. In fact, there's days, usually at 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning or 10.30 because we've had a bit of worship by then, where we do believe and we stand in faith and we go, yes, the promises of God are yes and amen. But then we walk out and then we live our life and doubt comes in. And we want to believe. And yes, we have belief. We're men and women of belief. But there's also doubt mixed in there. And there's this belief and unbelief mixed in together. And we carry both of them together, just like this man did. He said, I believe, but God, I need your help with my unbelief. And I love the honesty of that statement. I love the authenticity of that statement because I think if we're honest ourselves, we would all have that. There's areas of our life, even if we were a strong, committed, faith-filled Christian, where we would still have doubts. We would still go, no, I don't really believe God could come through like that. And we question and we doubt and that wrestle goes on all the time. I believe that that man's statement was a great confession because it confessed both his belief and unbelief. And he asked God for help. God, we ask you this morning to help us with our unbelief. My prayer is that we would be a people that are blessed because we believe without seeing him. We believe that we are those blessed people. We believe that we are like those people that Jesus spoke about, that we don't see Jesus physically, but we believe. And because we believe, the Bible says that we are blessed. Do you know that seeing is overrated anyway? Do you know how overrated seeing is? Like I'm not saying physically John 3.16, does it say this? Everyone who sees him will not perish but have eternal life. It doesn't say that. It says everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life or eternal life. See, what you believe is way more important than what you see. What we believe, what's in here, what truth we build our life on is way more important than what we see. Because your eyes can deceive you. If you've seen Star Wars, you will know that that's true. Your eyes can deceive you. You can look at your current reality. You can look at your current situation and it can tell you things which are not true. The disciples looking at Jesus on the cross can deceive them. Their eyes can see him dead. Their eyes can see him in a tomb. But if they had the belief there, the belief that says, no, he will rise again because belief trumps what you see. Your eyes can deceive you. Kids, we're going to play along. 
Let's see if you get this right. I've got some pictures coming up on the screen. And it's not just kids. I want you to tell me, is this true or is this false? Not this one. He's not real. This picture, is this real or is it fake? Who says it's real? You are correct. Next photo. Is this real? This is a flooded basement. Is it a real photo or is it a fake? It's fake. Next photo. Is this real or is it fake? It's real. The bottom got burnt out and it was supported by the other poles. Next one. Is this real or fake? It's real. There is a clear plastic tube holding up that thing. It's a structure. Go look it up. Next one. Is this real or fake? It's fake. Thank the Lord for that. Next one. Is this real? Is it real or fake? Real or fake? It's real. Next one. Is this one real or fake? It's a fake. Next one. Let's keep going. Is this real? Who? All right. I can't see you, but put your hand up if you think it's real. Put your hand up if you think it's fake. Come on, get those hands up. It is real. And the internet doesn't lie, so don't come argue with me later. Next one. Is this a real? Yes, it is real. There's two zebras there. Next one. Is this real or fake? Who thinks it's real? Who thinks it's fake? It is fake. I think we have one more. No, no. Second last one. Is this real? Is this a real river? No, it's fake. And is this real? This is real. A hotel built like a cruise ship on top of a cliff, as you do. And is this real or fake? It's fake. It's obviously fake. Okay. What did we do then? We all saw the same picture. We all saw it with our eyes. And sometimes our eyes deceived us and we thought it was true when it was actually fake. And other times we thought it was fake and it was actually real. Because your eyes are not the best judge of the reality. But what you believe, what you believe trumps what you see. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we live by believing, not by seeing. Because what we believe is more important than what we see. For all of you this morning, especially around the, the name of Jesus Christ, what is it that you believe? What is your belief? I've spoken to people over the years, even last week I spoke to someone and they've grown up in church. They've grown up hearing about Jesus. They've grown up knowing the Easter story, the Christmas story. They've grown up in church, but now they speak to me and they say, Lottie, you know what? I just don't believe that stuff anymore. Their belief causes them to go away from a relationship with God. They say, I don't believe anymore. There's a Mumford and Sons song and there's a line and it says, I don't even know if I believe. And many of us are like that. We go through life and stuff happens. The disciples, put yourself in their shoes. Their saviour is on a cross. And they're thinking, do I believe anymore? Do I believe or do I have doubt? 
Is Jesus really who he said he was? Is he really going to rise from the dead? I don't know if I believe that stuff anymore. The disciples see Jesus dead on the cross and that would have challenged and it would have shaked what they believe. Because the truth is we all have moments where, we be, where, where what we believe is challenged. We will all go through moments in our life where no matter how firm or strong our belief is, it'll be challenged and it'll be shaken. And what you believe in those moments matters way more than what you see, matters way more than what you experience and matters way more than what you feel. What you believe is how we live our life. It is called a life of faith for a reason. Because there are moments where we have to go, you know what, it does not look like it, it does not feel like it, but this is what I believe and I am standing on that truth. I am standing on that, I believe that who Jesus is. On what he says in his word, that is the foundation for my life and that is how I choose to live. I will live based on what I believe, not necessarily what I see, what I believe. Can we have the creative team come up? We're going to finish. As we finish today, when a pastor says that, it means nothing. So just settle in for the next 20 minutes. No, just kidding. April Fool's got you. I've got 41 minutes to pull April Fool's Day jokes. My question for you this morning is a serious one. We've had a little bit of fun, I hope. I hope those kids have got those colouring ends ready to go. But it's a very serious question and it's a very um, poignant question for all of us to be able to answer. What is it that you believe? What is your belief of Jesus Christ? At Easter, we're reminded that he died and he rose again, that he was and is the Son of God. We sing about it. You hear people from the front talk about it. But what is your personal belief? What is your personal conviction? What is the thing that you would say when you are asked that question? What do you believe about Jesus Christ? See, our confession and our belief about Jesus matters more than anything else in the world. What you believe about this one person, what you believe about Jesus Christ matters more than anything else. Because it is by believing that we receive the gift of salvation. It is by believing that we access His amazing grace. His gift, the gift of eternal life, the gift of salvation, the grace of God that we talk about, it was given to you. It was poured out for you. Jesus did that for us at Easter. But it comes down to whether we believe what our belief and our confession as to whether we receive or whether we experience what so many Christians claim, what I can say. I can say from my life that I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He was more than just a man, that He did die but He rose again and He defeated the power of death. And by believing in Him, I can have eternal life. I can have a relationship with Him. That's my belief. That's my confession. But what is yours? What is yours that is yours and no one else can take? My final scripture this morning, Romans 10, 9 to 13 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it's by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. 
As the scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I want to ask you this morning, what is it that you believe about Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus was more than just a good man? Do you believe that he was and is the son of God? Do you believe that he died on the cross for your sins and that he rose again? Do you believe that by believing in him, you too can have the gift of eternal life? If that's what you believe in your heart, then this morning I want to give you an opportunity to do what this verse says and to declare, yes, that's what I believe. What you've just talked about, Lottie, that's my, that's the confession of my heart. That's what I believe. I'm going to lead us in a prayer this morning. I'm going to ask everyone to pray it with me. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to repeat these words after me. I'm going to ask us all to close our eyes. You don't close your eyes in church just to pray. It's just more a way to concentrate, to remove the distractions around you. Jesus can hear you whether you've got your eyes open or shut, head bowed or up. It doesn't really matter. It's just a way of us going, we're coming to this moment where we're going to confess, we're going to declare what it is we believe about Jesus. And so I ask that everyone close your eyes. No one looking around. Kids as well. And I'm going to pray this prayer and I'm going to ask you, if you agree with these words, that you would repeat them with me. Dear Jesus, I acknowledge that I need you in my life. I believe you are the Son of God. You came to earth to give me eternal life. I open my heart to you to receive you. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. But today I receive your forgiveness. I receive the acceptance that comes from you. Take control of my life. I give it to you. In your name I pray. Amen. Just keep your eyes closed for a moment longer. With all of our eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning, either for the first time or a way of recommitting your life to God, it's saying, yes, yes, Jesus, that is what I believe. And it's like it's the first time because you're coming back to that place of conviction and confession of who Jesus is. Then right now across this room, I just want you to raise your hand right up so I can see it and say, yeah, that's me, Lottie. I pray that prayer this morning. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that what we've just said is true. Whether you're young or whether you're old, say, yeah, that's me. My hand is raised because I believe in Jesus Christ. I can see your hand. That's awesome. Is there anyone else? I can see your hand as well. I can see your hand. There's hands across this room. If I haven't seen you, it doesn't really matter because God has seen. It's your confession of what you believe of Jesus to him. Just raise your hand up really high one more time so I can see all those hands were raised, just so we can see you across this room. Raise it up nice and high. We would love to just give you a Bible and just talk to you after the service. I can see that hand at the back as well. That's, that's fantastic. There's hands this morning going up and saying, yes, I believe in Jesus. Yes, I believe He is the Son of God and that it is an amazing thing. 
that is the reason why we gather, to proclaim the name of Jesus and to invite others who do not know him to get to know who Jesus is. Those of you that raised your hand, well done. Fantastic. Hopefully one of our team will catch you. If they don't, feel free to come and talk to me. I'd love to to talk to you or one of our team. Can we ask everyone now just to stand in this room? We're going to wrap up our service. I want us just to stand and close our eyes again. I know I've done a lot of eyes closed. Just close your eyes for one more moment. I promise I won't drag this out. But if there's people here that can relate to that guy that we talked about today, the man who said to Jesus, Jesus, I believe, help with my unbelief. If that's you, just raise your hand. There's area of your life where you are doubting that Jesus really can do what he said. There's promises that you haven't seen yet come to pass. And if you're honest with yourself, there's doubt has crept in. It's okay to have doubt. It's okay to have unbelief. Just don't pretend. Don't pretend that you've got it all together. My hand's going up right now. I believe that you can work all things together for good. I believe that what you promised, I will see. I believe. Help me with my unbelief. God, I pray for any area of doubt, any area where we are being shaken, where what we believe is being shaken to the core. God, we pray that we would stand on what we believe, that you are the Son of God, that what we read in your Word is true. That is the foundation for our lives. We believe in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.